0: This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari presented by BetRivers. Welcome into your Friday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by BetRivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari Yes, I had a very, very stressful, stressful round one. In case you missed the UCLA game, uh, I was having heart palpitations the whole game, and as you can hear, Or hopefully you can hear, I'm in pretty good spirits because yes, the Bruins were able to pull it out and advance. Uh, I think I feel more exhausted than exhilarated necessarily. That was not a fun game to watch in any capacity as at least a UCLA fan, as an Akron fan, I'm sure it was at least up until the end. But that is the madness and we have lots to get into with that. Before we do, quick quick visit with the Lakers and the Clippers the Lakers lost by 20 to the Timberwolves on Tuesday as eight and a half point dogs I believe we said to fade the Lakers and that is in full effect the Timberwolves covered of course that is you know the best team in the NBA at least offensively in the last couple weeks Uh, so not to be surprised there. pretty easy one to bet on especially because with the Lakers not showing up for games and literally not showing up As it pertains to effort, for example, that's what you're going to get. So, uh, obviously, the Timberwolves cover, winning by 20. And now the Lakers are at the Raptors on Friday night. As for the Clippers, they also played on Wednesday. They lost by three to the Raptors. They were two-point dogs here, so they didn't get the cover necessarily. But they faced the Jazz on Friday. Also, some L.A. football news. The Rams... Thursday, the Rams uh, and wide receiver Allen Robinson from the Bears have agreed to a three-year, $45 million deal that includes $30 million guaranteed. That was according to Adam Schefter. Now, the Rams still have money left over for OBJ and still hope to re-sign him, sources have said. Sources. Sources. But uh, OBJ, right now, in case you missed it, 29, he had that knee injury in the Super Bowl. He might not be ready for the start of the 2022 season, but he slowly picked up momentum as the season went on, so that was really great. And Obviously, they got him midseason as well, but I'd like to see him return. Again, only 29, but I get it. Some would say injury prone, um, but I'd like to see him back. He also went so hard to get Vaughn Miller to come out to this team. And on Wednesday, Von Miller decided to sign with the Bills instead of returning to the Rams. That was a little bit perplexing for people because Von Miller made it sound like, let's run it back. But this was not his first ring, you know? Uh, This was the first ring for a lot of the Rams players, OBJ, Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford. Uh, But this was not for Von Miller necessarily. So maybe it didn't mean to him what it meant to them, you know? Um, But that said, Von Miller, um, adios. And thank you so much for what he did for the Rams. But also of note, obviously with the Allen Robinson news and then OBJ up in the air Uh, could be interesting to see what happens with Robert Woods because the Rams have been getting calls about him as well. It's fun to visit the NFL at this time of year, mid March and happy late St. Patrick's day, by the way, hopefully hopefully, The day gave you some luck. It felt like reverse luck day in a lot of ways. I feel like I saw a lot of people saying that this was not, not a profitable day of betting for them. Uh, But, you know, that's just from what I could gather on Twitter anecdotally. So if you will. Also, real quick, Rams plus 150 to win the NFC West and plus 575 to win the NFC right now. In today's show, you guessed it, March Madness, round one. We'll talk about it. The UCLA-Akron game that probably took a couple years off my life at least. At least five to life. I don't know, and then look at the Miami versus USC game going on on Friday night. Miami a ten seed, USC a seven seed. That going on in South Carolina, and also we can look ahead to number four UCLA facing number five St Mary's at four ten p.m. Pacific time on Saturday. So lots and lots to look forward to and get into. Uh, But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. So for the NBA. Lakers 30 to 1 to win the West, 60 to 1 to win the championship. Can't even believe they're all through this short still. Come on. Uh, they play Friday as eight and a half point dogs at the Raptors, as I mentioned. Total sitting at 224 and a half. The Clippers right now 25 to 1 to win the West. That has been just trickling down. Do you remember when the Clippers were 100 to 1 to win the championship for the longest time? And understandably so, without Paul George in the mix, without Kawhi, even without Norman Powell. But now. 50 to one to win the championship and again 25 to one shorter odds in the Lakers I think for the first time on bet rivers at least uh, because like I said the Lakers always get tons of money it's not like the books need to entice people to bet more money on them. As for college basketball, like I said, Friday, USC versus Miami. USC now a two-and-a-half point favorite over Miami. So people have been taking the money or taking the spread with USC because this was one-and-a-half on Tuesday. So we're seeing that whole point movement versus Miami. Total sitting at 139-and-a-half. That's sitting tight. And then USC on the money line on Bat Rivers right now, minus 136 money line. If you don't want to deal with the headache of the spread of two-and-a-half, anything under three, if the money line's not crazy, maybe we just look there. Minus 136, I think still very playable. Uh, USC is 100 to 1 to win it all in the tourney and 25 to 1 to win the Midwest, AKA make the final four. As for Saturday's action, UCLA minus 3.5. So I. Was on the phone with my brother the entire ucla game tonight which actually made it very hard to hear the broadcast which i like to hear usually depending on who's doing it but we were on the phone from start to finish and talking about all the bets and the action he was actually watching other games too and we we're going back and forth and should i live bet this should i not at one point the best bet you could get on ucla akron that i saw was ucla plus two and a half when things got real dicey in the final mm, what six minutes or so uh, but that quickly changed. In case you missed it, again, we'll have more on that in a moment. But UCLA twenty to one to win it all right now, and plus two seventy five to win the East, aka make the Final Four. UCLA was twenty five to one before this win, so it makes sense, right? They they're one step closer already, so their odds got a little bit shorter. We'll see what happens with USC if and when they advance tomorrow. And like I said, their likely opponent after that would be. Auburn, but frankly, we've seen some pretty interesting upsets so far. Uh, so let's just get into it right now. But remember, you can always find all these odds and so much more at Bett River Sportsbook. So let's get into the madness first. Four favorites went three and one ATS in the first four, three and one straight up. So pretty chalky, right? Pretty pretty much what we would expect of those teams. Round one, Thursday, favorites. Went nine and seven ATS, so against the spread, and 12 and four straight up. So you could have made some pretty interesting parlays, it looks like, money line wise. But not, not as crazy on the spread as you would expect. Favorites nine and seven. But again, we had some really large spreads as to be expected in this first round. Uh, Gonzaga was a little perilous for a lot of people and possibly a bad beat for some. Uh, UCLA, I don't know. A lot of people liked Akron on the spread, but again, that was such a big spread, right? So Akron plus the points, but I think a lot of people were on that. That said, uh, favorites, nine and seven ATS in round one on Thursday. Uh, overall, that means 12 and eight ATS so far in the tournament. Shout out to Ben Fox of VSIN for all of that great data. He's a really good follow on Twitter. If you don't follow Ben, definitely check him out. Now let's talk about just some notes that I've seen so far. We are going to get into UCLA's game, don't worry don't worry. I just, just let me get a beat here. Just let me catch my breath. All right. That was really brutal. And I was actually really grateful that more people weren't messaging me. Like I was kind of expecting, which like, I guess I thought I was so important. Like, who am I? But I was expecting more people to be like, Oh my God, check on Daniela Avari. Is she okay? Um, and nobody did. Nobody came, nobody checked. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but really I, I was just dreading, I was like, oh my God, they're gonna be out in the first round. It's gonna be that letdown spot after that incredible run to the Final Four. And no, they grinded out. But like I said, let me let me just take a beat and look at the other games first. So the Mountain West Conference. I'm just gonna call this the Massive Disappointment Conference. Stormy Bonatoni tweeted this one out. Uh who used to cover the Mountain West Conference. I think that was her first job actually out. And if you are listening to this on Friday, I am probably on a plane to Las Vegas and we will be doing uh, the second half of her show that she hosts for Vison the Sports Betting Network. Uh, my Guys in the Desert, she's hosted that. And I will be on the second half of that show. I believe that would be 2.30 p.m. Pacific time. But catch the whole show. It starts at 2. Um, and Stormy does such a great job with it. So we'll be on together tomorrow. And we will be poolside at circa resort and casino. I'm very excited. She said the weather's perfect. I don't believe her necessarily because I used to live there. Uh, and it was dry even when it was, you know, 75. And for some reason that dry heat is just it hits different. I don't even know if I have enough lotion that I can pack in a carry on to get me through, you know, a day or two there, but that said, uh, very exciting times tomorrow. So check that out. If you are, uh, you know, not doing your job at two o'clock on a Friday, <laughs> unless your job is sports betting, which I highly recommend uh, Mountain West. Let's get back to Stormy's tweet here. The Mountain West conference 0-9 straight up and ATS 0-9 since 2018 in the NCAA tournament games. They haven't won a game straight up. They haven't covered a spread since 2018 massive disappointment and really a bad look. And I, I just, I feel bad for him. And I, I, I mean, Stormy's team is San Diego state, I believe, cause that's where she went to school. Um, I know she worked with the mountain West conference as well. We were, you know, rooting for Wyoming versus Indiana, even in that first four game, we were both on them at that four and a half and just could not, I mean, really, really just didn't look good out there. Um, so not, a not an exciting note, but a disappointing note. Uh, Creighton and San Diego State, as we're talking about the Mountain West here, all five Creighton starters scored in double digits, uh, which was interesting against San Diego State here. And they scored the last nine points of regulation to force overtime. Trey Alexander, freshman, he converts a three-point play with 108 left, gives uh, the Blue Jays a 72-69 to win over San Diego State. So San Diego State just... Just could not make this happen. And it was just just terrible to see. Um, Trey Alexander scored seven of his 18 points in the extra period. Um, really, really brutal. Creighton scored the last five points in overtime. Man. Tough break for the Aztecs. I mean, not tough because definitely on them in that one. And then Michigan and Colorado State. First of all, we talked about how Michigan is like, what, why like overrated, perhaps? What some would say. I am some. But they overcame a 15-point first-half deficit to go on and beat Colorado State 75-63. to They were outscored by 24 points from the three-point line. Yeah, Colorado State outscored them by 24 points from three and still lost. How? How does – how – I'm not, you know – I didn't play Division One basketball myself, so I'm just going to end it at how, because that's all I have is questions. I have no critiques. Uh, but <laughs> Michigan has now alternated between a win and a loss for 11 straight, which, by the way, actually I'm going to double back there. You don't need to have played a sport to be able to talk about it, just to be clear, <laughs> just to put that out there. Um, but I just don't want to hate too hard on these college kids they leave it out there but just colorado state really really tough really tough to see michigan now alternated between a win and a loss for 11 straight games and most likely facing tennessee next if i had to guess it's time for a loss again <laughs> unfortunately so really really into this tennessee team but unfortunately i was also very into kentucky uh more on that in a moment morgan zaga drama too uh Gave everyone a scare here and probably a bad beat. Georgia State held a 54-52 to lead. Yes, Gonzaga was down by two with 13 minutes to play. This game was tight all the way up until then. And then the Zags finally started to turn it around. Uh, and really, Georgia State's bigs got into foul trouble. And then the Zags were able to capitalize on that and just feed Drew Timmy. He led the way with 32 points and 13 rebounds. Um, And they outscored Georgia State 31 to 14 over the final 10 and a half minutes. I kid you not, I was watching this game, but I was also, I don't know what this day has been such a blur, but also handicapping other lines and watching this game and then making food. And I swear I looked up and said, oh my God, what's happening to Gonzaga? And like, terrible. And they're down by two, and we're getting tight here. Like, I expect them to come out in the second half, and if they are down to just right the ship, and that was not the case, and we have 13 minutes left, 10 minutes left, what's going on? Um, And I look up, and they're up by 20 points, like, instantly. And that's how good they are, right? Even if you could manage to keep it close like this, yes, okay, a 16 seed, but nevertheless, Gonzaga's just going to be able to outpower you no matter what, it seems. Uh, Chet Holmgren also, incredible stat line. 19 points, 17 rebounds, 7 blocks, 5 assists, 2 steals. What? What does he not do? What Where? Where? What part of the box score is he not contributing to? It's it's incredible. It's incredible. And how do you defend that? But uh, one team ha- did figure out, at least recently, which was the St. Mary's Gales, who happened to be the team that UCLA has to play next. So... TBD on that. Let's talk about upsets really quick. St. Peter's over Kentucky. 15 seed St. Peter's over number two Kentucky. This is the 10th time ever. Only 10 times that a 15 seed has beat a number two in the NCAA tournament. Shout out to Daryl Banks the third. Love us the third. Do I though? Yeah, sure. We'll go with it. Uh, shout out to Daryl just because he had an incredible game. He carried this team offensively. Uh, he finished with 27 points off of five three-pointers. Why was this not on anybody's radar is my question, and I guess it's because it's Kentucky. And frankly, Kentucky was in my Elite Eight. I had UCLA-Kentucky facing off in the East in my Elite Eight, and I really liked this Kentucky team. I thought they might be a dark horse. I liked Tennessee. I liked Texas Tech. Um, there was all these teams that were not one seeds that I was – were. Virtually one seeds. Um, And Kentucky falls in the first round to a 15 seed. I'm not even like no judgment. I saw the UCLA game. (laughs) Like, but that's really tough. And it's interesting too, because I think it was the St. Peter's coach was saying that they came into this. I mean, this is just true of March in general, right? If a 16 seed comes in and they get to play a blue blood, like Kentucky, they are going for, they're going for your blue blood. (laughs) They are just going for it. They, came in so, so amped up, uh, understandably so. They just are going to have that motivation factor that the underdog always does, right? And nobody expects them to be able to hang with Kentucky, and that just fuels the fire, right? The coach talked about how his players feel like they are good enough to be on that Kentucky team, which, like, sure, live in your own reality, whatever works for you. But it worked. It worked for them that night, and it's interesting because I think some people thought that, like, all these transfers and things would kind of, like really hurt mid-majors i think greg peterson actually talked about this a little bit as well was mentioning this who also does a great great job incredible not also is such an incredible college basketball handicapper but greg peterson mentioned this too but just that the transfers would probably hurt mid-majors but what we're seeing is kind of the guys that would be on a bench at a power program are instead like let me go down to one of these not power five programs if you will and really get a lot of playing time and have an opportunity to have a Cinderella moment at March Madness. And that's that's kind of what we're seeing here. So that's really cool. Uh, also, just of note, I thought this was funny. Did nobody else think this was hilarious? St. Peter's mascot? Do we know what it is? It's a peacock. It's a peacock, the St. Peter's Peacocks, which is, I'm sorry, it's hilarious. It's I, I thought zips was funny from Akron. I looked up that one too because somebody asked, you know, on Twitter, and I just felt like, oh, I'm gonna answer this question because I feel like I wanna be asked Jeeves. Uh, but <laughs> I thought zips was funny. And no, Peacocks takes it for me. The peacocks. And so of course I had to look up what why? Just I have so many questions usually. And why is my number one on the top of my list for most things? Why? Just why? And, uh, the school is named after the Peacocks and also they say that the, one of the reasons is that it reflects the spirit of resurrection and eternal life. Obviously this is a Jesuit school. It's in New Jersey, uh, resurrection and eternal life. Can they keep that eternal life flame alive for another game? Probably not. Probably not, but nevertheless, it was very cool to see them take down a blue blood like Kentucky, even though it busted my bracket pretty good. Uh, More bracket busting good news. Both number 12 seeds, New Mexico State and Richmond, pulled off upsets. New Mexico State beating UConn. Richmond shocked Iowa. I don't think people were as shocked by the New Mexico State, or at least not if you had been... In the know, following some experts at VSIN or whatever, uh, wherever, rather, because New Mexico State, right off the jump, I remember Tim Murray talking about this on VSIN's Breaking Down the Bracket show right after the bracket came out and putting a little pin on that New Mexico State UConn game. People were not convinced of this UConn team, understandably so. And lo and behold, New Mexico State gets it done. And Richmond shocking Iowa was interesting because I felt like there was this consensus like heat around Iowa And I didn't really understand it And then I said they must have just played really hot in the tournament and I go look it up. Okay. Yes That's what's going on. They played really well in the tournament And so people are having this recency bias But I'm looking at all these teams on Ken Palm as I'm doing my bracket and writing notes and comparing contrasting right and I'm looking at Iowa and going I don't really get the hype. Like, people were tweeting, I'm going to put them to win it all. Relax. Um, and, yeah, the Richmond upsets them. I didn't expect Richmond to upset them. That wasn't in my bracket. But that was kind of interesting. Um, Teddy Allen uh, made a steal, converted a three-point play, hit four free throws that were complete, just so clutch, all in the final 30 seconds to lead New Mexico State to that 70-63 to upset of UConn. Uh, and afterwards, he tweeted, bye-bye, Blue Bloods. So, or no, he said that in a post-game interview. He didn't tweet that. I just assume everything is in Twitter um, dialect now because I didn't know that people still talk to each other. But this was into a microphone, so I feel like that's virtually the same thing. Bye-bye, Blue buds," from Teddy Allen in the post-game interview. Uh, and that's funny. That's pretty funny. UConn and Kentucky both fell in the first round. But UCLA inches it out. Let's talk about it. I'm ready to now. I think I'm ready. UCLA, the four seed versus Akron, the 13 seed. Danger zone, right? Fours and 13s. Just as dangerous, some would say, as that five seed. And UCLA was a 13 and a half point favorite. Total 128 and a half. They opened as a 16-point favorite. And immediately again, just like the New Mexico State uh, game versus Yukon, people jumped on Akron plus the points, which I understood. They were the Mac champions. They were on an eight-game winning streak. They could kind of get the the ball. Going from deep, uh, definitely better than UCLA could. And that's kind of a dangerous team to have to play in March when it's, you know, lose and leave and win in advance. So I understood. And when we talked about this on the pod on Wednesday, I said that the side to be on was on Akron. Did I want to bet that? No, that's not fun for me, right? Like, I'm not going to enjoy that bet. I know lots of people who work in this industry and uh, who talk about sports betting and do it religiously and do it for a living, by the way, which... I talk about sports betting for a living. I do this like analyst work, but I'm not betting to make my income, if that makes sense. And so there's just different approaches to this. For me, I don't want to bet things that I'm not going to enjoy watching. It's supposed to add to the game for me, right? Especially when you think about being a casual better and making a bet that you don't even like or want to cheer for. Like, let's say, for example, betting an under for a game that you want to see like some fireworks in. That's not fun for you then. You have to sit there the whole time and be like, please don't score. I love great defensive matchups, speaking of UCLA versus St. Mary's. And so I sometimes love to bet an under. I'd rather bet an under. But all of that to say, I didn't want to be on the Akron side. Even though UCLA, I mean, Will Hill, for example, who's host of New York City Cast. we've heard him here on this podcast. I believe he was on on Monday's show this week, actually. He had UCLA in his survivor contest to win it, which I'm sure felt very perilous for him. He probably had more anxiety than me, actually. And he had Akron with the points. So there's ways to do that, right? I could have just bet Akron and UCLA can still win. Just didn't want to do it. Just didn't do it, but definitely the side to be on, and that was obvious from the jump. From the jump. Really low-scoring game here. Nobody made it to 60 points, and that was frankly because UCLA's shooting was horrendous. Final score, 57-53, to UCLA... I can't even believe that as I'm reading it. I can't believe it because there was a point in this game. I'm going to say with like four to five minutes left where I had actually resigned to, they're going to lose. I think it's when they were down by, I believe the largest lead was eight. might've been nine. Um, And once it hit that point, I was like, man, they've been hanging in this. They've been shooting horribly, but they do everything else pretty decently. Again, their defense is their strength. It wasn't impeccable tonight by any standard. But it was good, it was solid, and it's what kind of gets them through these bad shooting nights. This was truly horrendous, though. And so UCLA, I mean, yeah. The fact that they were able to ink this out, there was a point where I was completely resigned to they are going to lose this game. And I don't usually get to that point, especially with this UCLA team, because... We've seen them in this situation so many times. Jules Bernard talked about this in the post-game presser, which we're going to get into a little bit too. We'll dive into because I thought there were some pretty funny quotes um, that are just entertaining for fans in general of basketball, but especially UCLA fans. But Jules Bernard talked about that. This is a team that's seen a lot of adversity and been through that before. And so it shouldn't be surprising that they can come back and win games like this. But in games past, when it's been very close at the end, Usually it's not a game where you see is shooting less than 30% that I'm dealing with, right? And they're able to get these games really close within one or whatever and send things into overtime. We saw how many overtimes from them last March. Um, and even in the games this year, in times where they're behind, they're able to close that gap with just really, really sharp basketball. But this lo- this gave me no reason to believe that they were going to be capable of pulling off the upset, except for history. History has told us that this is a great crunch time team, right? We all saw that, right? Without Jalen Suggs, they're advancing from the final floor okay? Um, which, funnily enough, if they can beat St. Mary's, maybe they get to face Baylor next. But that's neither here nor there. This is a team that's just well under pressure. Jules highlighted that in the postgame presser as well, um, and he's dead right. That said, even I, who knows that, lost faith in a moment because there was nothing looking like they could possibly get this ball to go in the bucket. And there was a lot of shots that looked fine to me. They did. They weren't super short. We saw earlier in the day Gonzaga was struggling with, which this can happen when they go to these March Madness arenas and they're not used to the depth, right? We talk about this. It's not easy for the players to shoot in right off the bat. And it's funny because I was actually talking to my brother who played Division Two basketball, and actually now San Diego State is, or UC San Diego, excuse me, is Division One, so that's exciting. But when he was there, Division Two, and I was just asking him because he's played basketball his whole life, how long does that take you to adjust to? And he's like, it can take a little while. It can. So shooting in those arenas, Gonzaga was shooting three short. They were shooting free throws short, especially in the first half. They shorted up a little bit in the second half. Boise State, similar thing. So then seeing UCLA just not getting buckets to be able to fall when they looked fine to me, right? They looked fine to me in some regards, some of the shots, right? And I thought that there was good quality open shots and they were still not going in. So that was very, very frustrating. And that's why I lost hope because I thought, well, what do you, I mean, if you, if the ball doesn't go in the hoop, what do? you, how are you, you can't, it's, how are you going to win? How are you going to win the game? But finally, the ball did start to go in the hoop. And a large, large shout-out to Tiger Campbell, who scored 10 of his 16 points in the second half to help the Bruins out. He had five assists as well. Jaime Hawkes Jr., 15 points for him. His points prop was at 15 and, a half, and it was juiced to the over at minus 130, which is why I was not on it this time. And as you know, UCLA, they score by committee, if they can score at all. But Jaime Hawkes just really also looked like the only player out there who really had his head in the game. He had nine rebounds, six assists. Johnny Juzang had nine points, five rebounds, and two assists. It's interesting because I read an article that said, oh, the Zips... (laughs) I can't say it with a straight face. The Zips held Johnny Juzang to nine points, uh, like, held him. Johnny, if you are new to this podcast or missed these last couple weeks here, has not been the same Johnny as last year, not the same as last March. He was shooting unreal last March, and he hasn't even gotten back to a semblance of that for me yet. And there was a game versus Arizona, I think in the Pac-12 championship where people like Johnny's back, March Johnny's back. And I still was not convinced, right? Not enough for me, but it's good to see him taking steps in the right direction and follow up on that because the end of the game really sealed it. But overall, UCLA shot really poorly. They look really tight. uh, Like they have on offense, really frankly on a lot of their road games this season. That's how they've looked really crazy schedule. So it's hard to say, nine turnovers which was more than akron akron had eight and i don't remember the last time that they had more turnovers than their opponent because ucla just takes care of the ball so well i repeat that over and over on this show Uh, Cody Riley's time on the floor was kind of perplexing. A lot of people were questioning that as well. And by people, I just mean the general public on Twitter Uh, and myself included. I was confused why we're seeing so much Cody Riley when Miles Johnson has been such an integral part of this offense. Uh, He played nine minutes to Cody's 23, but it all ended up working out in the end, I guess, even though honestly, Cody Riley gave us all a little bit of um, an aneurysm because he missed so many open layups and was taking jumpers. And if he's not going to be your post guy, then why, why come on? But he did make a huge, clean game saving stop on defense. And that's why you want, that's when you want him in, right? He's really tough. He's a more veteran player. He's been in this madness before. Um, So that was his saving grace. Bless him. Um, Mick, after the game, was saying that what really worked for them in the second half, and not much did. He said they only turned it over twice in the second half. Like I said, the turnovers were really out of character for UCLA, so they shored that up. Um, But shout out to Akron for really, really doing their homework and giving UCLA just getting them off their game. Um, He also said that they were way better on offensive rebounding in the second half. Eh, I think it would have been better with Miles Johnson in. I think a lot of us agree on that. Tiger Campbell... This final couple minutes here, so two minutes and 50 seconds left in this game. UCLA has got it to 51 to 50. They're down uh, by one. And mind you, moments before, I mean, let's look back here. They were down 47 to 39 with eight minutes left. Fast forward to two minutes left. They're chipping away at it. They go on this 10 and 2 run. And Tiger Campbell makes this three-pointer assisted by Jaime Hawkins Jr. from the corner that's completely... Uh, I don't remember the order of these. I think this is the order this went, but completely uncontested. Just not even a person... Within, like, six feet of him, it felt like. He had time to set his feet. It was like he was playing at the park. It was crazy. Um, so, naturally, with no no contested, it went in. That was great to see from Tiger. He stepped up when they needed him to. That brought them within one point. So, 51-50. to 50, And then... 30 seconds later, Tiger Campbell, jumper, gets them up by one, right? Now, a minute later, 119, after a Jaime Hawkins defensive rebound. Thank you, Jaime. He's everywhere. Tiger Campbell makes a three-pointer. I think this was the logo one. I'm not positive. I think this was the logo one. He made it from the logo, and I said this to my brother on the phone, and he goes, it's a pretty big logo. Okay. We know. (laughs) Give the guy his flowers for a moment. It was an incredible shot. It was the kind of stuff you want to see in March Madness. Was it a buzzer beater? No, but it was still pretty sick. Uh, So Tiger Campbell gets them up by 55 to 51. Um, And then Johnny Juzang goes on in the final two seconds to sink two free throws and seal it for the Bruins because literally towards the end there, they were one three-pointer away, which the Zips were fully capable of knocking down at any given moment from losing that game, not only tying. Um, And so Johnny Juzang makes a free throw to get them ahead by three. And makes his second one to get them ahead by four, and the Bruins win it 57 to 53, in the worst fashion. After the game, Tiger was talking about his logo three. He said it was a broken play; they didn't really have a shot, um, but that Jaime found him, and he looked at the shot clock and just kind of slung it up. And that's what it was, and that's what made it so so just classic madness. Um, but also, coach said that Tiger worked on that for 10 minutes during their shoot- their shooting drills. Um, so he'd already practiced that. He said he worked on that shot for 10 minutes the day before, which I don't, is that a lot? It sounds like a lot. Um, he also said when they asked him about him being so hard on Tiger because Tiger's from Iowa and I think people forget that, right? He said that they're Midwest guys. They're on the same wavelength. And I think they're talking about how Mick Cronin likes to use a lot of spicy lingo, spicy words. Um, but he said that those Midwest guys get it. Uh, and Jaime talked about it too, about that, to- that corner three, he had it down low I um, mean, he said he just heard corner. He looked, he threw it out to Tiger, and that, that got it done. Uh, Jules Bernard, though, got a shout-out from Mick Cronin. He said that was his biggest shot of the game, actually. It was Jules' three from the corner. They were down by five. It cut it to two. It was like a momentum shifter for sure. So it was nice that he got shouted out as well because, again, not a great shooting night for him. He started out 0-4 from three. And just something to note before we look at the Gales game and everything like that. Uh, David Woods of Bruin Report Online tweeted this out. He said this was the third game all season where UCLA won while scoring under a point per possession. Thank you, defense. Uh, But he notes that each of the previous two games were immediately followed by a loss. So let's break that trend. Okay, survive in advance. They now face fifth-seeded St. Mary's in the second round on Saturday at 4.10 p.m. Pacific time. Yes, those same Gales that gave Gonzaga a loss. They're veteran. They're well-coached. Are they overly athletic or long? No, but they're going to give them hell. It's going to be a pain in the butt. And they also should have a really good crowd in Portland. So hopefully some Bruin fans can travel. Uh, Yes, I know you're looking at me, but I can't do it. Uh, Then most likely, like I said, they would see maybe Baylor in Philly. And Baylor faces UNC next as well. But I had Kentucky-UCLA in my Elite Eight, so at least Kentucky's out of the mix, guys. Let's talk about USC-Miami. We did this on Wednesday show as well. Um, nothing really updated with my handicap in this here. 7-USC, 10-seed Miami. Uh, total's pretty high for this one, which if USC is on their game with their defense, which they're going to need to be, then I can see this going under. But it's March, and the reason I haven't been betting unders, unless you're betting first half unders, especially as this tournament is just getting underway, teams are getting on the court for, for the first time, first half unders have been really interesting. But – USC needs to be on their game with their defense, and also maybe the teams are going to be a little shaky. Full game unders, there's so much fouling at the end. You know, there's been overtimes. It's just a little dicey, so maybe something live, but not for me. USC, like I said, was a a one-and-a-half point favorite on Tuesday. Two-and-a-half now versus Miami. So people have been taking the the Trojans, backing them. Miami finished fourth in the ACC this year. Uh, It's their first tournament appearance since 2018, but it's also their lowest seed since 1998. Last year, Mobley brothers tore it up. But now, Isaiah Mobley is going to have to do it on his own here. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see. He's not – I mean, I don't think USC has had the star that's led the team between Boogie Ellis, Isaiah Mobley. Isaiah Mobley's, yeah, he's been a great leader for this team. But similar to UCLA, they're going to have to be able to rely on each other. And I don't think that's as true for USC. They struggle a lot with turnovers. Broken record on this. But they've lost three of their last four games. Now, three of those games were UCLA, UCLA, Arizona. So those are really good teams to play. But they had so many turnovers. I mean, 9, 23, 15, 12, just too many to deal with. And this might just come down to that. It might be the decider. We've seen some crazier things happen than a 10 seed beat a 7 seed. So USC has to be on their game. And they have not been as of late. So this is their time to get back on track. That said, I don't want to back the Trojans here. Just because recent form tells me maybe not. But... You might want to, you might want to, just because I'm like telling you, I wouldn't do it, but go ahead. Because SC is the better team here. They should cover this spread. They should be focused and locked in. I haven't seen them like that yet this season to the degree that, for example, we see UCLA being able to come back and win games where they have no business winning them. I haven't seen USC do that as much. Cal State Fullerton also in action versus Duke, a 15 seed (laughs) versus a two seed Duke. Uh, That's going on Friday, 4.10 p.m. Pacific time, also in Greenville, South Carolina, Midwest region, first round. Um, So maybe we see a Cal State Fullerton-Duke upset? Could we see it? I'm not laying 19 with Duke, but hopefully hopefully they can just cruise through this and not have anything too crazy happen to them because otherwise, bye-bye Blue Bloods. Finally, UCLA at St. Mary's on Saturday. I know I've exhausted you guys on the UCLA topic, but UCLA is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite for St. Mary's. I thought this was going to be something like four and a half. So I was really excited to see UCLA at three and a half. I'm interested to see how this is going to move. I might try to grab this right away um, because I do think UCLA is going to bounce back in a big way. My belief. I think that's what we're going to see. David Wood's tweet would tell us otherwise. Uh, I'm interested to see how the shooting looks from UCLA, but fortunately St. Mary's is not an offense forward team. I want to take that back. It's not so fortunate. Actually, I, I, With the way UCLA's offense looked and they're trying to get back in a rhythm, I don't want to have to face St. Mary's, what, the best defensive team in the country? Possibly, right? Uh, This is going to be, what do they call it, a rock fight. It's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be so tough because St. Mary's is just going to grind on UCLA and this sounds inappropriate, and UCLA is going to grind back because these teams, that's how they win games. I mean, we saw that. That's also why when UCLA Akron popped up, Beyond what everybody was thinking about, oh, Akron's so great, UCLA doesn't blow teams out, typically. They haven't done that. That's not even their style of play, and their offense isn't elite in any one area enough to do that frequently. When you see a spread more like this, three and a half, something like that, that's more interesting to me. Um, But the Bruins are 142nd in effective field goal percentage, and it showed versus Akron. Is that going to bounce back? Somehow they're still top 20 in both adjusted offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. But... They need to hit those open shots. They would have won by 15. Akron gave them so many opportunities, and that was the thing, right? It's not like Akron deserved that win. They gave it away so many times, and UCLA just barely was like, oh, if you don't want it, I guess we'll take it. Missed so many shots that they usually make, and you can't do that against the Gales. St. Mary's is going to be a really, really tough matchup. I think people underestimate them because they're in the WCC, but they should not, absolutely should not. Need to see more Jalen Clark. And Miles Johnson, would love to see that myself. Oh, and shooting above 30% would be preferable as well. So hopefully we have that. Uh, I'll be in Las Vegas watching that one, so pray for me. Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles City Cast and bearing with me through all this madness and this UCLA mania. Uh, more on USC, of course, uh, when we come back on Monday show, because new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And that means I'll be back for more madness on Monday. So please come on back to the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.